Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour concerning the church Jesus is building is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Not all unity is of the Spirit. Not all unity or unanimity is a good thing or a God thing. The first would-be world dictator, Nimrod, exercising supernatural leadership abilities, was able to conjole the entire population of the world into coalescing under his rulership in complete unanimity and to participate in the building of a tower dedicated to his worship that would reach into heaven. But it wasn't a God thing. In fact, it was an anti-God thing. And God personally came down and confused the language of the people with the result that they could no longer be in unity and thereby brought a halt to the building of the Tower of Babel. King David also learned the hard way that unity slash unanimity among the people is not always a God thing nor does it affirm God's approval of your plans. Rather, God killed David's chief armor-bearer, which cast him into a several-month-long cavernous depression and despondency. Anyone who ever heard much of the teaching messages of the late Kenneth Hagin undoubtedly heard him tell the story of how his calling to the pastorate of a church regarding which he told the Lord that he would only accept the congregation's call if the vote was 100% in agreement and that he was basing his prayer on the story of Gideon and the fleece he put before God. The result was a hard lesson learned. The congregation voted 100% in agreement. But it took him two years to finally resign the church because, he would say, both he and his wife and the church got fleeced. Unity of the people did not equal unity with God. It never was God's will for Hagen to pastor that church. 
All the human unanimity involved did not modify or affect in any way the will of God. The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace is a good, godly, scriptural, righteous, and worthy objective. But what trips up many in the church today in their journey to apprehend it is the faulty thinking that unity of the Spirit is unanimity among people, or in the case of the church, believers, and in the case of full gospel or Pentecostal-slash-neo-Pentecostal churches, Spirit-baptized believers. In fact, that mindset is the premise of modern seeker-friendly concepts that may sometimes result in human unity, but does not infer or indicate unity with God. Unity of the Spirit is not people in agreement and walking in lockstep with one another. Rather, unity of the Spirit is being in agreement with God. It is a Holy Spirit-inspired and orchestrated concord or agreement that is based on the foundation of the Word of God rather than the whims and opinions of men. Thus, the roadway to unity of the Spirit cannot possibly be the spiritually perilous path of doctrinal deviation. Now, let me speak to you about this matter of disagreement without being disagreeable. An oft-recited slogan in some segments of the church over the last few decades is, we must agree to disagree without being disagreeable. In itself, the import of that pun has some merit, I suppose. Even among the most sincerely congenial colleagues and cohorts, perfect and perpetual agreement is an unrealistic and impossible expectation. Honest and sincere men do sometimes have honest and sincere disagreements. Indeed, disagreement is inevitable. But disagreement need not be fraught with divisiveness or produce disharmony. Humans working and walking together in whatever enterprise or relationship will not always be in perfect accord on every nuance of every issue. But that variance need not begat discord, particularly among those infused by and immersed in the Spirit. Though it may seem a contradiction, dissonance among reasoned individuals, especially those walking by the Spirit, Galatians 5, 16 through 26, need not produce disharmony. Sometimes dissonance means you are the right instrument in the wrong orchestra. While concord generally would seem a worthy goal, sometimes controversy is the initial rumblings of needed and coming change, voluntary or involuntary. Albeit agreement is a commonly desired status quo, disagreement sometimes signifies 
hidden fault lines in thinking or timing. While uniform amity or unanimity would be desired in human interrelations, when it is not present, the destructiveness and alienation of animus must not be allowed to ferment. Disagreements are much better addressed and hopefully resolved in an amicable rather than antagonistic atmosphere. Nevertheless, we must never yield to the temptation to deviate from the established essential doctrines or compromise proper principles in order to keep the peace or to go along to get along. Yet that is precisely what some have taken this slogan concerning disagreement to mean. A dangerous trend is developing among many segments of the church, including the Pentecostal-slash-Neo-Pentecostal segment, toward what they are saying is unity, but which really amounts to a truce, by definition, predicated on doctrinal compromise. Though they may attribute it to the term of unity, it differs little, if at all, from the syncretism-based ecumenicism that numerous Christian denominations in alliance with the Roman Catholic Church have been forging for decades. Which universal alliance in the end will comprise the end-time one-world Babylonian church signified in eschatological scripture? You're listening to The Real Truth Podcast. Other episodes of the podcast can be found at realtruthradio.com. A Bridge to Nowhere Doctrinal deviation, degeneration, and denigration, which is being advocated more and more by some Christian leaders of all stripes and affiliation, as a bridge to so-called unity, is an extremely perilous path to travel. It is an undeniable and unavoidable law of physics that the most infinitesimal degree of deviation from a straight line results in a wider and wider angle of deviation as it extends forth. While it is so very true that the church is guilty of majoring on the minors and minoring on the majors, yet established foundational truth, that is, sound doctrine, cannot be violated or deviated in order to achieve biblical unity. It is always astonishing, bewildering, and even benumbing to me when I witness the reckless disregard and flippant attitude so many believers, including many preachers of all camps, demonstrate with regard to the matter of sound doctrine. The cavalier and frankly ignorant statements of professing believers and preachers in which they demean the importance and necessity of sound doctrine often leave me aghast and incredulous. With my own ears, I have heard preachers make such absurd remarks from their pulpits as, 
Doctrine ain't important. People are more important than doctrine. As if sound doctrine carries a potential for harm to people, or that biblical ministry and biblical doctrine are antithetical and therefore cannot coexist together, thus necessitating a choice of one or the other. Imparting the essence of God into the lives of people in order to bring renewal and restoration is what the ministry is, and that is absolutely impossible without correct teaching, which is the meaning of sound doctrine. Literally, the Greek word translated doctrine means the teaching. When its verb form is used, it literally means the teaching of the teaching. The form of the word that is translated teacher or one who teaches literally means teacher of the teaching or doctor of the doctrine and refers to one who is an expert at elucidating, explaining, elaborating, and expounding upon the truth of God. The living and abiding word, or rhema of God, 1 Peter 1.23, which is the eternal life of God, as distinguished from the written scriptures, graphe logos, which itself is inanimate, dead, lifeless, and unable to impart life, see John 5.39, is the foundation rock and touchstone of sound doctrine. It is not the opinions of men, but the word and wisdom of God. It is not the thoughts of man, but the thoughts of God. Sound doctrine, or correct teaching, is not the reasonings of men, but the rhema, the living word of God. It is not the product of human cogitation, but the person of Christ. Our calling is neither to analyze it nor assay its veracity, but only to accept or believe it. We need not even understand it for it to be effectual in our lives, but only to stand under its authority and obey it. Sound doctrine produces spiritual health and wholeness. The Greek word translated sound literally means healthy or health or wholeness producing. Thus, sound doctrine is spiritual health and wholeness producing teaching of the Word of God. Sound doctrine or correct teaching imparts the life of God into those who receive, accept, believe, and obey it, and thereby restores a person to the condition of proper spiritual health and wholeness, that is, holiness, in which Adam and Eve were originally created and abided prior to their fall into perdition. More than a thousand years prior to the writing of the New Testament, King David, by inspiration of the Spirit, penned 
the same spiritual principle, in essence, which is written in the voice of God, the Father, speaking to his sons. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my saying. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life. Opposite of death, sickness, disease, they are life. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, KJV. Maintaining, teaching, and living in accordance with sound doctrine is absolutely vital and imperative. We cannot simply make up our own doctrine. Rather, it must be predicated entirely on the Word of God. The Word of God is sound doctrine. The only sound doctrine. Let me say that again. The Word of God is sound doctrine. The only sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is comprised from the Word of God. Any teaching or doctrine that does not agree with the whole Word of God is neither correct nor spiritually healthy, but rather a lie and eventually will destroy the person who accepts it and patterns his life after it. Proverbs 23.7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Deviation from sound doctrine and demeaning its importance and imperativeness is engaging in doctrinal degradation which will always eventually produce spiritually detrimental and even deadly results. God himself testifies in his word through the writing of his surrogate spokesman, the Apostle John, I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. 1 John 3, 4. Truth is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the personification of the truth, which is the Word of God. Now let me talk for a moment about the inextricable link of Jesus and sound doctrine. Jesus is the Word of God, the Word made flesh, John 1.14, 1 John 1, 1 through 2. Jesus is the teaching. He is the foundation rock upon which the church is built. See Matthew 16.13 through 18 and 1 Corinthians 3.11. To denigrate, demean, or devalue the truth, the teaching, doctrine, or the word is to denigrate, demean, and devalue 
Jesus himself, and therefore also the very spiritual foundation upon which every spiritual house, that is, an individual believer's life or a church, is founded. To in any way so corrupt the Word of God, as the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.17, that many do, is utter blasphemy against Jesus and the Holy Spirit, who inspired the writing of the written Word, and who reveals Christ to us through the Word. Jesus proclaimed that whoever annuls, that is to say, negates or sets aside any of the least of the precepts concerning the kingdom of God, and so teaches others, shall himself be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever himself keeps, practices, teaches them to others, shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Read that in Matthew five nineteen through 20. The Apostle Paul urged believers to grow up, mature, in every aspect of the life of Christ, and that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Ephesians 4, 14. This speaks of deliberate deception through the means of doctrinal degradation for selfish gain. Now let me bring this entire teaching series to a conclusion. Doctrinal deviation, degeneration, and denigration is a perilous path, a dangerous path, leading not to genuine unity of the Spirit, but rather disunity with the Spirit, apostasy, perdition, and ultimately hell itself. Doctrinal compromise for the purposes of syncretistic unity is a road leading only to false ecumenicism, indigenous to the kingdom of Satan and the false church that he, Satan, is building, rather than the kingdom of Christ and the church, the ecclesia, that Jesus is building. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, now listen to that, if you abide in my word, that means live in my word, if you're living out my word, then, and I will say only then, you are truly disciples, this word disciple means learner, of mine. You're only a disciple of Jesus if you are abiding in his word. And then if you're abiding in his word, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John eight thirty one thirty two. He was saying that it is what we know of the truth, what we know of the truth. It's not the truth itself, abstractly, but rather it's what we know of the truth that sets us free from deception, bondage and all other destructive effects 
of spiritual ignorance and illiteracy. You can compare that with Hosea 4.6, where God says to the prophet Hosea, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Jesus indicated in this statement that true liberation or emancipation is the product of knowing the truth. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And knowing the truth, which is synonymous with sound doctrine or sound teaching, both of which are comprised of the Word of God. Sound doctrine is made up of the Word of God, simply put. Thus, it is imperative that every believer be immersed, baptized, immersed, covered over in the Word, enveloped in the Word of God, in order to assimilate themselves in sound doctrine, which is dependent upon rightly dividing the Word of Truth, which can only be accomplished as a result of constant and diligent study of the Word of God through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Timothy 2.15, in the King James Version, here's what it says to back that up. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, please note that this Greek word rendered, dividing in the King James Version, means to correctly dissect and assess. And then in John sixteen seven through 15, Jesus said this, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. And then as I said earlier, Hosea 4, 6, you couple that with this, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. God is unambiguously and irrefutably declaring through Hosea that what you do not know will destroy you. 
Now that sounds to be a far cry from the sentiment held and promulgated by many purporting believers today that doctrinal deviation, denigration, and demeanment is a benign or innocuous thing. It is not. So my word to you in closing is, know the truth, abide in the word of God, then you'll be truly a learner of Jesus. And then you shall know the truth when you're a learner of Jesus and you're abiding in his word. You're proving it out by abiding in it, by living it out. And then the truth shall make you free. How important is sound doctrine? Nothing more important. Why? Because Jesus is the Word, and sound doctrine is the Word of God. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.